Hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Do come in. We'll leave it for the next one. We won't do it now. Thank Take you, a seat. Chris. Well done. Right, we're ploughing on, okay? Are we doing it now? The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James, and Chris Dale. Yeah, well, when did you want to do it? I don't know. Look, I enjoyed Thunderbird's Day so much, I thought I'd wear my Space Precinct T-shirt. Brilliant, yes, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I enjoyed the surprise release <gasps> of our furry fiends. Yeah, yes! Candy and Andy and the Bear Anders, the bizarre <laughs> art book um, yeah. that uh, I've bought myself a mannequin uh, panda. Right. <laughs> Right, that's something I thought I'd never hear you say. Just outside. No, I didn't, I didn't do it. But what a, what a strange and wonderful time we live in where we can celebrate, on one hand, Thunderbirds yeah. Day, yeah. this you know fantastic 58-year-old show. Wow. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, um, Candy and Andy in the Bear Anders in the kind of creepiest, weird mannequin setup in the world. And, <laughs> and that really, I think, frames the parameters of the Jerry Anderson podcast, don't you think? You're absolutely right. Talking of the Jerry Anderson podcast, mm. that's what we're here doing right now. Right, I did wonder. Yes. Uh, we've done terrifying. it 276 times before, and this is our 277th. Wow, when will it end? Uh, I'm Richard James, co-presenter, <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, actor, bon viveur, and you are... <laughs> Uh, uh, Jamie Anderson, uh, uh, hoodie wearer, yes. um, script reader, yes, uh, and microphone talker into. That's about the length and breadth of your talent. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, but we're also joined by the <gasps> real talent in the room, the one and only yep. Chris Randomizer Dale. Hi, guys. Hello, Chris. Hi, Chris. There he is, because, of course, he'll be sitting down with his randomizer machine at the end of this podcast mm. to press a button, or rather... Hang on. ...ask a guest to press a button. Oh, no, no. He won't be. No, because it's a Remember, second part of a two-part story. I know it's a long time since we've recorded 276, but I was, I'd hoped you'd remember. So what do I say? He doesn't... So what, what, what we're left with is Chris Dale doesn't press a button on the randomizer. He knows the episode that he's going to watch. Yeah, and he just watches, and he watches it and says stuff. That I mean, means, that's that's the that's kind it. of comforting predictability that we can occasionally <laughs> offer you on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but ah. before then, oh, yes. we've got a, a, a smorgasbord of Are other we? elements. No, no, no. Oh, I thought you were going to bring in some cheese and a little bit of salami and some olives. I mean, later. Nice, yeah, yeah. In, in the break, yeah. possibly. Right. Uh, we've got other things. Yes. I mean, I've got a book here on the desk. I've been eyeing that, yes. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, the Book of Fab Facts. I thought it might be, yeah. Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, it sounds like a religious tome when I say it that way, but... Um, Does it? Yeah. The, well, the Great Book of Fab Facts. The Great Book of Fab... Okay. It's, I mean, it's got quite the following, so... Um, you know, has it, though? Yeah. Um, what, in what sense has it got a following? Well, some, some people like it. Right. Uh, but I'll be giving a fab fact from that. Excellent. Randomly. Yes. As, as chosen sort of by you. Yeah, sort of, because I sometimes shout fab and sometimes you just don't pay any attention and yeah. flick on All right, whatever. or flick back. And then after that, what have yeah. we got? Oh, well, we've got the Jerry Anderson news. Yeah. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. Do you have to say it again? There's always stuff happening. That's not the phrase. In the Jerry Anderson universe, there's always something new happening in the Jerry Anderson universe. What did you used to say? It's about stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, can't remember. I have to have a listen back to some old episodes. Yes. Yeah, I've got Jerry Anderson news. Uh, I've got second part of our interview with Genevieve Gaunt, Lady yeah. Penelope herself, mm -hmm. uh, talking about her lifetimes and career. Of course, we're focusing very heavily on Thunderbirds and her experience playing Lady Penelope in the do. audio adventures. Absolutely She's right. Brilliant. She is brilliant. Yeah, quite right. Um, and then we've got the voice of the Podstrons. Our lovely viewers and listeners mm. have been getting in touch at podcast at jerryanderson.com. 
they've also been posting on our YouTube channel and I shall be reading out some of their comments there as well. Just the nice ones? Just the nice ones. Oh, that's very good. Now, it strikes me mm. there might be people who have yet to get to the point where we switched to doing video podcasts. Do right. you know what I mean? Because some people, they aren't up to date. No. They might be listening to like 234, 235. 114, They, they may have no idea that this is coming. No. What a nasty surprise for you all. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, but yes, we are on video now. Tell your friends. Like, yeah. share, rate, review, all that stuff. Subscribe. Absolutely. Thumbs up. If you like what you see, just get on your socials and tell everyone. Yeah. Shout it from the rooftops. Or just if you like what you hear. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hear or see. Mm, yeah. Good. Great. Um, is it that time then? <clears throat> your favourite time. Mm. Uh, in fact, I, I'm sure... Don't bring uh, that up again. What? That I said it was the most something thing of my life. Yeah, the, your favourite thing in your yeah, life or yeah, something. Yeah. Just pick up the book. Okay. Uh, picking up the book. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. I've I, I yeah. picked up the book now. Yeah. It's a book of Fab Facts. Yeah. Uh, the the favourite thing in Richard's life. Yes. Uh, and every week I flick through it, which yes. is fab to stop me flicking, and then we hope to happen upon yes. a fab fact. Yes. Do you know what? They feel a bit less um, exciting now. They're not fab blooming facts. Uh. Don't you think? I'm sort of missing the blooming from... And now, fab blooming, blooming facts. facts. I'm missing that from 276. But okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just a plain fab fact this week. Richard, are you ready? Born ready. Okay, here we go. I'm going to try and stop accurately this time. Here we go. Fab! Uh, yeah, see, now I've slightly overflicked there because we ended up halfway through what? a fact again. These things happen. I, what I find strange is that you've only started overflicking and underflicking since we moved to video. When it yeah, was audio only, because you seemed to land... Previously, there was no evidence of me overflicking or uh, underflicking, and now it's on video. So I have just to used explain to it. it. Well, we, with the audio only, we could just tweak the page uh, flicking sound so it sounded like I stopped just at the right moment. It's but... a sham. Okay, well, today's Fab Fact takes us to 1993. Oh, yes, a I remember it well. Year. What were you doing then? 1993, I had just left drama school. Uh, I was yet to audition for Space Precinct. Mm -hmm. Pretty down on my uppers, really. Gosh. Wasn't going well. God, and I was at school. Uh, 1993, the year in which Nintendo released the game Star Fox. Oh, yeah. On the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, yeah. Uh, renamed Starwing in Europe for fear of confusion with the German company Starvox. Easily done. I mean, I was Always instantly confused it. by that. Yeah. Uh, the game was a first-person rail shooter in which the player took control of an R-wing spacecraft mm -hmm. pilot, piloted by Fox McLeod. Oh, what a I like great that. name, isn't it? Friend of Nero Jones, perhaps. Yes. Uh, Fox and his fellow space mercenaries Falco Lombardi. <laughs> Peppy Hair and Slippy Toad. <laughs> oh dear. Formed the Star Fox team. I didn't know they were Not called so that. Great, yeah. uh, charged with repelling the invading forces of a renegade scientist named Andros. Andros. Sounds like an Anderson nickname there, doesn't it? Sounds like a toilet roll. And saving the Lilat system, I guess. Okay. Sounds better than Lilat's, doesn't it? Yeah. That's, no, that's a, yeah, we're not going to Lilat's. Uh, a solar system inhabited by a variety of anthropomorphic life forms based on various animals. Okay. Like Slippy Toad. Yes. Uh, uh, and what was one of the biggest inspirations behind the concept and overall look of the game? I mean, it's the Jerry Anderson podcast, so it's got to be something Jerry Anderson Candy related. Candy and Andy. No, it wasn't. No, it was, in fact, Thunderbirds. Ah. Uh, a game based on a team of fighter pilots was nothing new even back then, and if that was all that was required for a game to earn 
inspired by Thunderbirds, mm. uh, well, we'd be looking at a very long list. Mm. While the game itself features no direct reference to the series, um, with its early 3D graphics now perhaps more closely resembling the video game played by Tiger Ninestein in Terrorhawks, <laughs> right. the Anderson influence was most notable in how it was marketed. Yes. Uh, and I remember the photos of these, actually. Yes. Puppets were built of the four main characters for promotional material, oh. appearing on the box art uh, for both Star Fox and Star Wing, specifically because the game's creator, Shigeru Miyamoto, was a fan of the Super Mario Nation series. Okay. In a 2011 interview, he recalled not only the inspiration they had on his work, but also a plan to use Star Fox to lure Jerry Anderson back to the world of puppets. Really? Crafty. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he quotes, well, I'm quoting him here. Yes. Uh, back when it, we released it, I imagine Star Fox selling a lot and the company that produced Thunderbirds coming all the way from England for negotiations to adapt it into a puppet drama. And then I would say, to be honest, I've always loved Thunderbirds. Oh. Uh, licensing it out by saying so was a dream of mine. Uh, and sadly, that's all it ever was. Yes. Wow. Um, if you don't recognise the name Shigeru Miyamoto, particularly because of my pronunciation, mm -hmm. uh, you will certainly recognise the names of his other world-famous video game creations. Oh, go on. Mario. Of course. Zelda. Oh, yes. Donkey Kong. Mm. F-Zero and Pikmin ah. franchises. I definitely don't know the last one. No. Uh, although he didn't mention Jerry Anderson by name, it's doubtful that uh, Dad ever, ever even heard of Star Wing, I'm afraid to say. Um, but it remains a tantalising what-if thought to wonder yes. what might have possibly become from a collaboration between the two, uh, whether that had been a Star Fox series or a new iteration of Thunderbirds. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Now, Star Fox 64 known to PAL region players as Lilat Wars, a sequel which arrived on the N64 in 1997, once again took inspiration from Thunderbirds for dialogue sequences. Yes, all right, there's more of oh, this. Oh, sorry, yes. In which the characters' mouths uh, popped open and closed, just like Super Mario Nation puppets. Ah. Star Fox soon became one of Nintendo's most popular franchises. As recently as 2014, Miyamoto was still looking to Thunderbirds for inspiration for future Star Fox adventures when it came to developing an array of different vehicles for the games. Uh, and the Star Fox characters, plus Miyamoto himself, once again appeared in puppet form in 2015, uh, albeit this time as hand-operated puppets in promotional material uh, produced by the Jim Henson Company. Oh, wow, okay. Sadly, oh, right. I have to end on a sad note uh -oh. here, the fate of the original 1993 Star Fox puppets is unknown. Right. But Thunderbird's continuing influence on the Star Fox game series pr proves once again that there really are Jerry Anderson fans in all walks of life all over the world, even in the top ranks of Nintendo. So, Podstrons, do you think an Anderson-produced version of Star Fox would have been a good fit for Dad's style of television and storytelling? Let us know your thoughts. Interesting. Mm. Um, is that slightly naive to say, I've made this thing, I hope Jerry Anderson comes over and sees it and likes it and wants to get involved and I make something? I think it's rather lovely, don't I, you? Yes, don't get me wrong, but could that ever have happened, do you think? I mean, it's possible that he might have seen it at some point and, mm. and gone, oh, this is rather lovely. Mm. I mean, the opposite reaction that he had to Team America, I suppose. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, so fair enough. Um, and yeah. I, but see, I've got a weird memory of seeing an ad with those Star Fox puppet characters in a magazine in okay. Dad's office at some okay. point. So right. I think he did see, right. but I don't think the leap was made of, oh, I should contact this guy and see if there's anything we could do together. Yeah. Unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Shame. 
Yeah, interesting. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So nice. there you go. Right. Uh, Potsdam, do you know of any other game influences? We've mm-hmm. had TV and anime mm-hmm. and various other things. We have. Game, oh, game of the anime conversation went on for weeks. Yeah, particularly around, once again, pronunciation. So apologies <laughs> yeah. again if I've messed that up. Yeah. Uh, I think that's rather lovely. Yeah. So uh, that brings us yes. very neatly yes. to the end of yes. this week's Fox Facts. Mm, thank now, goodness for that. That's the first time in a while that we've been uh, on the same wavelength, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Must be getting back into the swing of things. Well, I wouldn't quite go that far. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Now, coming up a little later on, it's uh, part two of the protectors in the randomizer. I can say that. You can. Because it's true. Predicting it. Because nicely. normally we have no idea because no, it's random. It's a, it's a complete guess. But Chris watched the first part last week. He'll be watching the second part. That's the week. rules of the randomizer. That's but the it's, rules. it's also mm. coming up later, part two. <sighs> Of Genevieve Gaunt. Fantastic, yes. We'll be talking to Genevieve about her career, her life as Lady Penelope. Mm. She does seem to embody the part, I have to say. Oh, she, do- she does. Yeah. Absolutely. It's brilliant. Uh, and uh, we'll also be talking to her about First Action Bureau mm. and her own podcasting adventures. Oh, yes. There. What a variety. I, and she, I mean, she's doing other stuff. She's reviewing books for yeah. the spectator. Writing scripts. Doing audio books of yeah. all sorts. And I mean, yeah. she's, yeah. A Renaissance woman. It's true. Yes, uh, but before we get to all that, Mm. I know what I'm itching for. Uh, (laughs) Leave it. (laughs) I'm itching for the Jerry Anderson news. Oh, thank goodness for that. Okay, let's hand over to Specky Jamie. Hello, all. It's Jamie Anderson here. Hope you're having a fantastic start to the week. Let's dive into this week's news. First off, how was your Thunderbirds day? Whether you snagged one of the Tracy Brothers prints or decked yourself out in the exclusive Thunderbirds day t-shirt or maybe pre-ordered the limited edition Danger and Deception, we hope it was fab, uh, whatever you did. And for those of you who just kicked back and tuned into our live stream, we trust you enjoyed the show. We're always looking to make things even better each year, so if you've got suggestions or wish lists for Thunderbirds Day 2024, then please drop us a line at podcast at jerryanderson.com. On the topic that's been on everyone's lips, those elusive furry fiends, well, the cat's out of the bag, quite literally, for months now. Right behind me, right here on the shelf, has been my copy of Candy, Andy and the Berandas, a delightful art book that dives into the Anderson treasure trove from the 1960s, filled with beautifully reproduced stills. Uh, If this quirky piece of Anderson history tickles your fancy, you can pre-order a copy today and they'll be shipping out next month. Terrorhawks fans, brace yourselves. With the 40th anniversary of Terrorhawks looming, we've got a plethora of announcements coming your way this weekend. Consider it a proper Terrorhawks weekender. And remember, with Terrorhawks, you should always expect the unexpected. Comic enthusiasts, mark your calendars for the 5th of October. We're thrilled to announce the launch of Time Bomb Comics Spectrum Issue 2. Featuring three brand new tales from Terrorhawks, New Captain Scarlet and Space Precinct, this issue is an essential addition to any Anderson Aficionado's collection. Keep an eye on the Jerry Anderson store for its release this week. Well, that wraps up our weekly roundup. Remember, stay tuned, stay keen, and always cherish the fantastic worlds of Anderson. Back to you in the studio. I do like a bit of Jerry Anderson news. But not so much that you'll sing it anymore. Oh, I forgot again. Why don't you remind me before we get to this point? <laughs> Tell you what, for 278, yes. 
I'll get Specky Jamie to remind you that you have to sing it <laughs> oh, out. Oh, no. That's really complicated, though, because we insert that after the event. And, I know. Well, oh. let's hope that, that we remember to do that. <laughs> All right. OK, yeah. Uh, good. More news next week, I'm guessing, because it seems to be uh, the one constant. Absolutely. Well, there'll be lots of Terrorhawks news next week <sighs> for Terrorhawks Day and Terrorhawks 40th anniversary. Yes, we're joined by John Lee, of course, yes. uh, for a couple Lovely of weeks. John. Yeah, that'll be fun. Interviewed by... Chris Randomizer Dale, I indeed, believe. Indeed, indeed. Stepping up to the plate. Yeah. It's a nice thing, isn't good. it? Uh, yeah, but talking of stepping up to the plate. Mm, yeah. A few people have been stepping up to their computer keyboards and sending some emails. Right. Should we turn the fan on? These segues are getting better and better. This is the voice of the Podsterons. Yes, it's the voice of the Podsterons. Mm. It's when people have been emailing us and we read them out. Not any people. Well, the Podstrons. Podstrons. Our wonderful Podstrons. That pre-qualifies. What I'm saying is it's hardly a sort of a groundbreaking format point, is it? Not really. No. Uh, Hi, team. Another email from yours truly. Guess who this is? Uh, Who did we have last week? Mm -hmm. Uh, Clara Shimbo? No, no, that was in the Facebook group, I seem to remember. No, this is from James Pilson Wood, I think. James. Uh, Hi, James. Off the back of Jamie's comment about Thunderbirds 2086, Mm. I'd love to see an Anderson release of this. Yes, it was mainly a namesake show, but it holds a fondness in my heart. Mm. I remember renting a VHS tape from my local library of it when I was a child. Renting a VHS tape, that takes you back somewhat, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Admittedly, not knowing it really didn't have much to do with Jerry's Thunderbirds creation, but I enjoyed it all the same. I hope, James, that you rewound the VHS before you uh, sent Mm. it back. I, I imagine James was a rewinder. Yeah. Uh, it came at a time where this conversion of anime was happening more often. Another classic from my childhood was called Thunder Sub, based on the anime Blue Noah. Great show. Oh, Thunder Sub. Mm. Uh, Tugs never got a DVD release. If you're looking for new licenses, I'm sure Chris, myself, and maybe others wouldn't mind these lost gems seeing the light of day again. All the best chaps from James. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Over to you. Well, we we have been investigating 2086. Have you? It's complicated. In what way? Really complicated. Uh, working out what uh, rights are held by what company Gosh. and whether they're available. And and then going to those companies and saying, is this available? Quite often, believe it or not, people who uh, big companies that own shows like that yeah. will actually go, uh, we don't really know if we wow. own this. Wow. And until you get somebody to say, yes, we do own it, and now we license it to you, yes. you can't do anything. So it's really tricky. But, oh, it, you know, don't uh, don't write it off. Yeah. It's, 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 on, it's on a very long list. Yeah, good. Excellent. Uh, oh, I've got one. Oh, good. Do you want this? Um, yeah, go on. Okay, fine. Uh, this is from Jacob. Hello, Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Uh, well, he says, hello, Jamie, Richard and Chris. Ah, oh, Hi, nice. Chris. Hi, Chris. Uh, I emailed you some time ago. <gasps> oh, right. It sounds like an admonishing uh, email <laughs> yeah. already, doesn't it? Did about Brit it Sci-Fi and my new Twitter, sorry. Oh, yes. X yes. Uh, account. I remember. Thunderbirds-esque. Oh, we did read it. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that contains things in real life that look like they could be from Thunderbirds. Yes, great fun. I can now confirm <gasps> that the Thunderbirds-esque X account yes. has a whopping mm-hmm. 18 followers. Come on, Jacob. That's, that's one better than 17. Yes, that's great. Uh, lol, he says. <laughs> but now I would like to have a go at a proper nerdy Anderson email. Right, oh, we like those. So here goes. Let's settle in for this. I recently performed a stand-up show at the Shaftesbury Fringe mm. in my Virgil Tracy costume. <laughs> this is a very good start for a nerdy Anderson <laughs> yeah, I like email, I will say. <laughs> Um, I covered the story of the show, the island, the ins and outs of international rescue, and the story of the five brothers. 
and I replaced the Thunderbirds pilots with members of the Conservative Party. <laughs> okay, we're entering into political territory now. It's <laughs> okay. a first for the Jerry Anderson podcast, yeah. I think. In case you're wondering which ones. Go on. Uh, Michael Gove, yes. pilot Thunderbird 1. Boris Johnson, pilot Thunderbird 2. Far, 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 far. Gavin Williamson, astronaut of Thunderbird 3. Oh, yes. Dominic Raab, aquanaut, Thunderbird 4. I've forgotten about Dominic Raab. I know, me too. And spending time uh, in its only world orbiting high above reality in Thunderbird 5, the one and only yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> oh. uh, this is going to go over the heads of our international <laughs> listeners, I think. Yes. Uh, it was very fun, and I love getting my Jerry Anson thoughts off my chest. Uh, in the most unusual way, I think, Great. Jacob. Because of the show, I did lots of research and it got me thinking about the Thunderbirds' timeline with our real timeline. Uh-oh, oh, we're right. into timeline zone. This yeah. is pretty bad. Okay. For example, did you know that 2023, 20, that's this year of it recording, yes. was the year that Gordon becomes an aquanaut for Wasp? Oh! Jeff is presumed lost at sea in a sinking liner disaster only to be found by Gordon and Scott in... Uh, and Thunderbirds 1, 2, 3, and 4 are constructed in the same year. Oh, right. In 2024, Thunderbird 5 begins being constructed, and in 2026, the Thunderbirds have their first mission. Well, that's if you go by the 2026 timeline rather oh. than the 2065 oh, timeline, no. Jacob. So, well done for oh. opening at that can of worms once mm. again. Mm. Uh, this is, of course, all according to the Thunderbirds annual. Not sure what year. Doesn't say. Oh. That's a good annual, isn't Fair it? Fair enough, yeah. Um, is there anything special planned on these important fictional <gasps> milestones? Um, uh, anyway, that was my attempt at a proper nerdy email. I think you passed there. Yes, uh, I hope good. I did all right. Many thanks, Jacob Holland. Uh, mm. Jacob, thank you. Uh, yes, this does enter into the world of 2026 versus 2065. Oh, right. We don't have enough time in this episode right. to even begin discussing that. Yeah. Um, and as such, because of the controversy, there's not really controversy, it's 2065. Yeah. Um, oh. uh, we won't be celebrating those dates. But right. thank you for pointing them out nonetheless. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? About all the, uh, the Thunderbird craft being built around this time. Well, Do you think in the real world we have the capability and technology to build them? Probably. Could it actually happen, do you think? Well, we'd, you know. Musk's doing his yeah. VTOL yeah. Uh, spacecraft, isn't he? So that's Thunderbird 3 and yeah. Thunderbird 1's kind of landing yeah. and uh, takeoff stuff sorted. Yes, that's right. Um, Thunderbird 5, certainly. Yeah, we've got we that already, that. ISS, etc. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no artificial gravity yet, though, mm. but mm, yeah. 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 Uh, and they've got an upgrade from the old tape players, too, so that's good. Oh, yes. yes. Thunderbird 4, we can do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. So, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's doable. And the American uh, Air Force have got that. The drone! Uh, Thunderbird, Thunderbird 2, drone 2 that's right! So, yes, it exists. And it's happening around us. Yeah. Now, if you want uh, some more info on that, there's a fantastic video on the Jerry Anson YouTube channel. Is there? Yes. All about the origins of international rescue. Is there? Yes. Who did that? Who, who's that by? Well, Ross did that. Is that Ross? Ross did that. I Ross love Ross. That. I like Ross. He's my favourite of the yeah. Jerry Anderson team. He's all right. So yeah. much better than Chris Dale. Well, um, let's not get into that. Another controversy right there. Hello, everyone. Hello. This is American Samurai back in action. Welcome back. Remember this? I do. Uh, now, with a few questions. Will there ever be a Terrorhawks only audio annual? No. Okay. Is the Terrorhawks revival series still happening? Yes. Wow. Uh, will we ever get a US release of Dick Spanner on DVD? Maybe. Ah, but that's pretty comprehensive. Yeah. That's really on the nose for you. Normally kind of skirt around, ah, well, rights issues and a lot of work to no, be done no, and who no, knows. No, ter Terrorhawks and Dick Spanner are easy ones to answer on. Great. Yeah. FAB till next time. Okay, well, I so, hope you can yeah. ask more questions that I can give one word answers to because that means it. we can get through these nice and quickly. Yeah, well done, American Samurai. There you go. Uh, I've got one. Good. Last one for now, yeah, I think, good. from Alex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Hello, Jamie, Richard, Chris, and all Podstrongs. Oh, that's nice. All very inclusive, yeah. Not yeah. you, though, I don't think. No. No. Not Ross. No. Uh, I hope this message finds you well. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still fine, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast since Pod 186. Well, why since Pod 186? Because we'd done it 185 times before then, and I he wasn't know. even paying attention. What was wrong with the previous 185, Alex? <sighs> Uh, anyway, he started listening then, as last year he was recovering from a nasty distal radius fracture Ooh. and had to be operated on. Uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking knee? Uh, ra- 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 radius? Wrist? It's, it's, it's up Arm? here, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was close then. Our, our armies up his sleeves, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the reason he found us was because uh, he said it, it was recommended in my YouTube channel. Ah. Recommended YouTube channel. Excellent. Uh, so he wants to say a big thank you. Uh, in regards to Fab Fact from Pod 270... Right. Only one part of the bumper has surfaced on YouTube, ah, which I was... Yes. You know what this is referring to? Thunderbirds bumpers? That, yeah, this is the um, uh, the new series of Thunderbirds was uh, um, trailed in, I think, Australia by having um, uh, the hood kidnapping the Flintstones or something? Oh, the ca- Cartoon Network thing, was it? I oh, think? Cartoon Network. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. Something like I'll that. have to have a watch again, yeah. Yes, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I was able to find... Uh, the new segment uh, had the hood demanding £1 million uh, in return for the safe return of Fred Flintstone. Ah, yes. Though the hood didn't interrupt the news segment, uh, as alleged. Oh. But also the stock footage of Jeff Tracy's rescue attempt statement. A what? His rescue attempt statement. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he does agree, though, Alex yes. does, that it was a very clever tactic for the repeats of Thunderbirds to yeah, get people interested. Exactly. Anyway, uh, he says, I'm really enjoying the podcast, new format with the video, and I wish you all the best of luck with future projects. Great. All the best, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. And I hope you enjoyed the way Jamie read out that email. Yes, I did it very smoothly, I think. You'll find. <laughs> Communicated your message very, very well and, <laughs> very, uh, and very, clearly. Yes, very professional. Uh, just like everything else here on the Jerry Anderson podcast. <laughs> now, look, could we just take a serious moment, please? <laughs> Please subscribe to us mm. on whichever channel you're listening to us on or whichever platform you are viewing us on. Please also leave a review and a rating. Five stars would be lovely. Tell us what we're doing right. And then... Why Why? Why God. are you doing it in sort of a charity I'm trying to video? Coax. I'm trying to make it sound like a worthy thing to do. And please, just copy and paste the link on all your social media profiles <laughs> so your friends can watch and listen to us too. Thank you. Just one five-star review this Christmas yeah. could keep your favourite podcast hosts <laughs> happy and smiling. Absolutely. That's, that's you, obviously. It's true. That's all it would take. A five-star review. Lovely. Yeah, he loves those. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, okay, so we've had five facts. You see, I'm still not back in the swing of things yet. I know we, last week was back on board after a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Should really be, you know, hitting the ground running by now. Yeah. But we've had five facts and news. We've had podstroms. Yeah. <gasps> well, that means that it must be time for the second part of our interview with Genevieve Gaunt. Can't wait. Thunderbird's day might be over, but Lady Penelope is here to stay for another week. As well as filling Silver Anderson's stilettos, our guest today has an extensive CV in film, TV, audio and stage, as well as presenting her own podcast. Is there anything she can't do? Let's find out. It's Genevieve Gaunt. (laughs) Genevieve, welcome back to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Thank you for having me back. But please tell me that you spent Thunderbird's Day on the beach on Tracy Island with the family, with the boys and Jeff. Please tell me. 
That's how you spent the day. Yes, Richard. That's how I spent the day. <laughs> Who's going to tell him that it's a, now, that it's a show? <laughs> last time, it's not just a show, Genevieve. It's a life choice. Tracy Island should exist. Shouldn't it? Yeah. Can you it imagine? Should, yeah, it should be a spa. Nice. Uh, let's turn back to your career, which doesn't just involve Lady Penelope, of course, although, of course, we'll be returning to her later on in the interview. Uh, but there's other audio adventures uh, for Big Finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's First Action Bureau. Uh, there's book reviewing. There's podcasting. There's writing and directing, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, what, directing? So I, I well... No. Uh, yes. I, I directed um, students at drama school, uh-huh. but um, I would love to direct uh-huh. audio drama and radio, but uh-huh. yeah, not right. a director yet. Yeah. Where would you say you're heading? Have you got any sort of grand plan or vision? No, I think you just take what, what comes your way. That's, that's the life of an actor. Yeah. And I think the, the variety is, is lovely. Yeah. You know, doing the acting and the writing and the voice work, it all kind of seems to to work mm-hmm. together quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And uh, you read English at Cambridge. Yes. Now, was this a move away from acting or something that you felt would kind of add? Yeah, so I looked at drama schools and I looked at uh, universities and I happened to go and see a production of Into the Woods that was done at the ADC at Cambridge mm-hmm. and it was spellbinding. Uh-huh. But I thought I'll never, I'd never get in. To right. Cambridge, yeah. you know, I just thought that's that's not possible, but I was encouraged to apply, and I applied to Newnham College, Cambridge, where Emma Thompson and Olivia Williams and Miriam Margulies went. So I felt like it was a a college that would be, um, I don't know, receptive to people who like the arts and theatre. Uh-huh. Right. And I just loved it. Yeah. And it was a lovely, lovely college, and I, I enjoyed the whole process actually because I wasn't intimidated I think um it was a really warm place to to go and I had the best time at university yeah yeah I mean so you didn't go to the uh, drama school as such for for your training no I mean so this is quite a controversial um area because some people will be like oh it's not drama school it doesn't count and um of course it's not drama school but the ADC theatre has a paying public Mm -hmm. and the turnover of shows there is quite extraordinary mm. i did 10 shows wow and we're talking like full productions of i did two stephen sondheims assassins and company uh strindberg's miss julie enron um and count i mean we did 10 i, I yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah two shakespeare's uh, yeah. amazing number of of shows that we did and you've got people like working in like art department like production costume your students just doing everything and you've got a paying public sure so in terms of all the different styles and mm. genres and uh, you just had to try it out with yeah. with a paying pu- public. So it's not a drama school and you're not taught in that respect. Yeah. But you kind of it's – an, it's an unpretentious way of, of, of learning anyway because yeah. you just have to get on with it Absolutely and see right. what works and, and what doesn't. Which actually is perfect training for the business because a lot of the business is just getting on with it and seeing what works and doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, I think people have different routes. Like – some of the most brilliant people I know didn't, like, just they circumnavigated university altogether mm-hmm. or some of the best actors didn't go to drama school mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but I loved it. Yeah. I don't think it's as much, uh, tell me, but I don't think it's as much of a, a taboo as it, as it was. Well, there was, one, there was one theatre director who I won't name who wouldn't let anyone audition who hadn't, like, 
for a Shakespeare who hadn't been to drama school because right. they said that uh, you would they, the, the actors wouldn't know how to speak the verse, huh. um, which I thought was interesting. So you know, people are some yeah. are some diehard drama school fans, and of course it's amazing. And I've done some courses at RADA and stuff, yeah. but um, I think they. I think they're both great. Yeah, of course, exactly. Uh, now, uh, I asked you to supply us with your favourite Jerry Anderson moment. Yeah. And it involves a character rather close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at this. the trick. Come in. Oh, beg pardon, miss, uh, but I was looking for her ladyship. Come in. So you didn't recognize me. Well, it looks as if my disguise is a success. I should go down well. Well, they say that if you go down well at Paradise Peaks, you'll go down well anywhere. Well, I just hope I can keep this pose up long enough. Still, the show must go on. I mean, it had to be, didn't it? It's Lady Penelope, but not as we might... As Wanda L'Amour <laughs> exactly. in The Cham Cham. That's it. Mm. What drew you in particular to that moment? What do you like about it so much? Mm, it's just, it's the most delicious episode. I, I mean, I love The Dutch Assignment, and I, there, there are so many episodes that I love, but that episode is so, was it 1966? Yeah, Chris Dale. 66? <laughs> You know, it's right in that in that James Bond yeah, that's right. era, and I think is it the only skiing moment in Thunderbirds? Chris Dale Encyclopedia. Until the last movie, yeah. Until the last movie, right? Right, yeah. So it just feels, and you know, uh, Tintin and and, um, and 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 Lady P, like in their ski outfits, and the music, <laughs> that kind of that bossa nova, the whole the whole kind of style of the piece is just. It's gorgeous. And it's delicious seeing Lady P going undercover, isn't it, of oh. course, and choosing that particular... Yeah, and that um, that accent is brilliant, yeah. <laughs> What's interesting, though, Genevieve, is that it's kind of seamless watching that and then hearing you. I mean, I was watching that thinking, in a weird way, that that was you. It's bizarre, isn't it? And likewise, Parker, I was watching it as if it were John. It's very strange. That's Do strange. you feel that when you see Lady P? Do you think, oh, there I am? Definitely with, <laughs> with John. Ah, yeah. He is, he, I mean, he does dead ringers and he is a dead ringer. Yes. Yeah. There we are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, can we talk a little bit about your writing? Mm-hmm. You've spoken that, uh, about uh, reviewing books for the spectator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how interesting is it to delve into other people's writing mm-hmm. to see how it ticks and what makes it work? And do you find that sort of beneficial in your own writing as well? Absolutely. I think uh, I'm very, very lucky to be writing book reviews for the spectator for Sam Leith because well, it's a. Uh, so they're rare, you know, slots to to mm. get, and I know a lot of journalists would would love to mm. to write for them. Um, he's a brilliant editor. I love writing book reviews. I love being taken out of myself and focusing on the work of you know yeah. authors. Yeah. And I'm very keenly aware that it's a lot easier to review than it is to maybe write the <laughs> <Okay>. thing. <laughs> so it's a, I'm, I do it with a great deal of respect. Mm. Um, I love it. It's fantastic. Do you have a novel in you, as it were? 
I definitely have something in me, whether it's a novel, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think it might be a play. Oh, okay. Mm. Now, you've sort of edged towards that, haven't you, with mm. your adaptation mm. of a Thunderbird story that we This can... is one of the highlights of 2023 for me. Yeah. So uh, AC said, do you fancy adapting an episode? And I thought, oh, my God. Okay, great. I'll give yeah. it a try. So. Yeah. They are, as most fans will know, they are adapt. The episodes are adapted from the original comics, mm -hmm. and he suggested Mister Steelman because that is the the Parker and Penelope origin story. Right, of course, lovely. So yes, uh, that's that's the episode that I adapted. It was a fantastic process. And how much freedom did you have with that? Did you have to stick slavishly to the, the story in front of you or were you able to take it places that you might think were more, was more interesting? It's, it's, adapting a comic is a brilliant experience because it's a, it's a structure, it's a scaffold. But if you think of it that, you know, characters will go from A to C, you have to fill in what B might be, mm -hmm. with, both with dialogue, dialogue and also just jumping from place to place. Yeah. So you can use your imagination, but yeah. it's a case of also really doing the original material justice. Right. And then just, you know, elevating it yeah. in places where there's a space or you have to. Because it's a different medium, isn't it? Mm. But also I, I really, I really got into it. Like they, they go to the, um, I think I can say this because it's in the comic. Mm -hmm. They go to the Luthien embassy which is meant to be some kind of eastern european oh, yeah. uh, embassy right and i invented this night guard yeah and lady penelope incapacitates him and i thought because how's she going to get how do they get into the embassy because in the comic it's like unmanned and they just go up to, too easy i see right to, to find this safe and so i thought okay let's and, and that, that's a funny exchange with 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 the night guard and penelope and I thought, how would she incapacitate him and um she sucks on a on a, on a fox's mint. Yes. And, and then she goes, would you like one? I hear that, you know, um, your, your work must be terribly tiring. They're most refreshing. Do have one. And so he's like, oh, yes, mint. Oh, no, and I think, I think um, it's Wayne Forrester who does it. Right. Decadent Western mint. And uh, he, he's incapacitated. And then I don't know where this came from. I suddenly was, Parker was like, you know, what, 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 what's your name, lady? And then I was like, um, Lady Penelope says, a rare form of frog venom, Parker. It, it disrupts the motor neuron reflex nice. arc or something. Nice. So I was like, you know, you're just sort of Googling stuff. And, yeah. and in the comic at the end, there's a moment where a lipstick is used as a weapon. And so I thought, what lipstick would have come out at that ah. time? So I'm looking it up and I, I found yeah. that, you know how all lipsticks have names? Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, the, and, and this, the shade of pink was called strange magic. So there are little details like that, nice. that it's there in the comic, yeah. but you just look a little bit deeper in terms of yeah. what you can add. Yeah. Um, and I got to add a, a prologue and an epilogue, which was AC's suggestion uh -huh. and lots of little details. I mean, any super fans, if you're interested, like having a look at, do, do have a look at any of the episodes. <laughs> Um, that have been adapted, you know, mm -hmm. the, from the original comic to the mm -hmm. to, to the to the ones that have been adapted. It's really interesting what's been uh, changed and what and what's exactly as it, as it's written on the page. And a, and a special thrill, I would think, then to be the, at the recording and to see your words or hear your words. Uh, yeah, I've never life. had that before. Yeah, um, because I've worked with you know uh, Justin T. Mm. Lee and Wayne Forrester and Joe Jameson and, mm. and obviously John uh, a lot, um, but I didn't know what it would be like hearing them speak the words that I'd written. Yeah. And my immediate thought was, I hope I do them justice. And if they want to change anything, great. Yeah. 
but it was fascinating. So Joe Jameson uh, plays uh, Agent Roger Lyon, and it doesn't say where he's from. And so I thought, well, maybe he's American, and he's got something kind of quite... In the, in the comic, Agent Roger Lyon is dashing, as Joe Jameson is, dashing. But also something a little bit ridiculous about him as well. And so we were like, well, what voice should we give him? And there are a lot of Americans that we've done, and yeah, of course yeah. all the Tracys and everything. Yeah. And so I said to Joe, I was like, could you do Australian? And he just did it like that. There you go, right. And yeah. it was just perfect. Yeah. And, you know, Wayne Forrester too. Any, any fans will know that Mr. Steelman is a very interesting character and they don't mm. know if he's a robot or a man, I which see. becomes clearer later on. Yeah. Um, so deciding what voice Wayne would use. Yeah. All these things that are really also direction and everything. But yeah. I was incredibly well... Um, supported from start to finish, uh, and Jonathan Morris was the script editor, who's, right. I mean, legendary in the yeah. big in the big Finnish universe, yeah. and did a fantastic job. So I learned a lot from his script edit. So I yeah. hope to do more, and I've learned a lot from AC and from Johnny. Uh, so you say you hope to do more. Mm. Do you think there's more on the horizon? Anything you could tell us about that, or don't you know yourself? Uh, so AC said we'd we'd be delighted if you you know write uh, another one. Yeah. So it's really just a case of discussing Great. which one. Nice. do. Good. Something to look forward to. Uh, now, let's dive back into our Space 1999 lunchbox, mm -hmm. uh, which holds, oh, still plenty of questions. Whose lunchbox from, is that? Uh, it was bought for us, actually, ah. and donated very generously to the podcast. Plenty of questions still left there for you, so uh, dig deep. This is from Button Moon Hannah. As well as Lady Penelope, do you have another favourite character from Thunderbirds and why? Ah. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. And I love the Duchess of Royston. Ah, right. I, I just love her. Uh, what's not to love? Oh, Lady Penelope, my dear, my dear, <laughs> Lady Penelope. Oh, you've I got that real sort of gin-soaked quality. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I love the Duchess of Simon as an episode. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so AC knows how much I love the Duchess. And so I, I don't know if you guys know this, but he lives in Belfast. Ah, uh -huh, yes. And all the way from Belfast, he sent me this maquette. Well, look. Beautiful. And there the is. detail is, so her, her, her glasses chain yeah. is, is an actual moving chain. And she's got her, actually, it looks like a cigar. Or a it does. You're cigarette. Right. Yes. She's such a babe. Oh, yes. She's Wouldn't such, mess with her. She's such a babe. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I put her in the episode that I adapted. Oh, right, um, great. Because Parker breaks into this house and it doesn't ever say whose house it is. And I thought, well, why is Penelope there? Because she's great friends with the Duchess. <laughs> uh, and, um, so there we go. Great. Pop her on the table. She can stay for the, for the uh, rest of the uh, interview. Yep. Yes, a lovely thing. More questions. More and more questions. Keep going. This is a good question. This is Jonathan Westall. Mm -hmm. Out of all the characters you've portrayed on audio, which did you find the most challenging to perform and why? Ah. Well, as any actor will know, everything is difficult. Something that seems easy it turns out to be challenging. Anything that's like textually challenging can, can, um, can I don't know, somehow feel um, rewarding or strangely easier in some respects. So mm. I did for BBC Radio 3, there's a brilliant production company called Allegra Productions. I've worked with them. Uh, a lot on adaptations of novels. Mm. And I did one called The Age of Anxiety, and it's a long poem by the, the poet W.H. Auden. Mm. 
and that is probably one of the hardest things. It's it's written in a very strange, mystic, very poetic right. way. Yes. And it's about these four strangers who meet in a bar. Um, if you think of the 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 Hopper painting Nighthawks, mm -hmm. it's very it's very in that vein. And that was probably one of the hardest things I've had to right. unpick. Yeah. But a bit like doing, you know, Shakespeare or something, you, yeah. you just have to go, what does that mean? And work it all out. But that was probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever had to read. Amazing. Yeah. Lovely. Rebecca Andrews, are there any other Anderson characters you'd like to have a go at voice acting? Even male characters, if they could be gender flipped. Uh, well, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, 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 brains is, but you know, no, no, because no one can do it better than, than, than Wayne Forrester. Uh, I mean, you got pretty close there, I have to say. Scott Anthony. Bikliki, yes, we know Scott. Bikliki, what That's a great it. name. Where yeah. does that name come from? Bikliki. I don't know, yeah. Amazing. How does it feel to be a part of the greatest Jerry Anderson franchise of all time? Well, that's probably controversial because I, I, we're assuming that he means Thunderbirds, but um, we don't we don't know which franchise he's I'm, talking I'm about. I'm assuming he means Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds, yeah. It's a it's an honour. Yeah, it really is an honour. Mm. Yeah. Of course, uh, he could have been talking about First Action Bureau. Yeah, uh, he's, so he's, he's talking about First Action Bureau. <laughs> so let's turn our spotlight onto that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a brand new, if you like, Jerry Anderson production. Brand new. Yeah. Brand new. Uh, how did that come your way? And what did you think when you first read the almost impenetrable, as I remember, script? <laughs> Do you think so? <laughs> well, it's full of things that may or may not have happened and uh, sort of implanted memories and experiences. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. But if, if you're used to, as you are, working in the big Finnish universe yeah. and, uh -huh. you know, time bending and, yeah. you know, the different laws of, of, of gravity, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's the Nero Jones is... Such a cool ball breaker. She's smart. She's feisty. You can definitely visualize her in a, you know, yeah. in a live action kind of yeah. production of it. Yeah, yeah. And we had such brilliant actors. Is yes. that the first time we worked together? I think it was. Again, remotely. Remotely. But what an amazing cast. Um, Sasha Dwan, mm -hmm. um, Patterson Joseph, mm -hmm. Nicola Walker. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Absolute class. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I hope it comes back. Well, that's a question we get asked often is, will there be more First Action yeah. Bureau? And I think Nick Briggs and Jamie are on the case, mm -hmm. but uh, they're both very busy men. And also, Extremely busy. The Human Frontier is another one yeah, that um, right. I did with, with Nick. Right. Yeah. But how difficult to get all those people in the same place at the same time again? That's also the issue. How do you get Sasha Dewan, Patterson Joseph, Nicola Walker, yourself, you know, available for two days or whatever it might be? Good question. Now, just before we wrap up, I want to show a really special clip that you suggested that we show from a rather special evening in Birmingham. A very, um, very special yeah, evening. That you weren't able to attend, attend in person. No, because I was in Belfast doing, uh, a, doing a play. Yeah, but we're very much there in spirit, mm -hmm. as we'll see. Oh, Parker. Yes, milady. I think I'd like to take a little ride. And Parker. Yes, milady. Somewhere just around the countryside Have you prepared the Rolls Royce? Is it ready for a run? Yes, milady, quite all right. 
Everything's been done. I've lubricated all the cannons and I've polished up the gun. Oh, Parker. Well done. Well done, Parker. Now, I understand you wrote the new words to the, the song as well. I did. That was a really fun experience. Yeah. So I couldn't make the concert, so I recorded the song uh, from my home studio and they suggested, can you rewrite the last verse to lead the audience into the interval? Yes, I that's thought, right. Oh, my God, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, <laughs> great. So I wrote, um, oh, Parker, it's time to have the interval I hear and Parker, put your feet up, have an ice cold beer. And Parker says... Um, that's also fine, my lady. A, a tipple does sound fun. I'll, I'll get your perno, my lady, and put away the gun. <laughs> nice. You know, um, yeah. please join us, <laughs> ladies and gents. The party's just begun. Oh. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a treat, and uh, and that was the other thing I got when when her. Oh, my compact. When it goes beep, 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 yeah, beep, 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 right. I was like, oh, uh, you know, Lady Penelope, uh, I have information at the interval. You know. Tell us about your work currently and future plans. And uh, do you have anything coming out that we should uh, look out for? Yes. So I, uh, in about April, we wrapped, I wrapped on a, on a Sky Cinema movie called Arthur's Whiskey, mm-hmm. starring Diane Keaton, Patricia Hodge and Lulu. Wow. And it's about these three best friends in their 70s, those three actresses I mentioned, who discover yeah. the elixir of youth in a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Uh, Arthur's whiskey, right? And they turn younger, and as it wears off, they go back to being older. So they kind of yeah. oscillate between the, these two states throughout yeah. the film. And I was very lucky to play the young Diane Keaton. Oh wow, amazing, yeah. great! Uh, and that's your... going to be out, I think. In we're not actually sure yet, but maybe the end of the year, or yeah. maybe early next year. Yeah. And your podcast, The Cupid Couch, can also still be heard on. The, the Cupid Couch is still there. Yeah, yep, on every exactly. platform. And your yep. website has got a plethora of uh, credits and uh, yes, pictures yes, yes. and I think links. that's com. Great. Now, before we let you go, we have to play what I think, in my own mind, is the most popular game ever invented. This is uh, Cute, Mute or Recruit, okay? Yes, you heard right. We have to imagine that you're setting up your very own international rescue Okay, so previous guests have been exactly where you're sitting now, probably with their mouths half open, thinking, okay. what on earth's going on? Just like that. <laughs> and they have chosen people like, oh, I think we've had uh, Sergeant Major Zero from uh, Terror Hawks. We've had uh, Officer Castle from Space Precinct. We've had, I think, uh, Lady Penelope. Has she been chosen yet? I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, have a look at the bottom of your screen, because all the previous choices will be right there for you to see. I am going to give you... Three characters that were chosen at random by our previous guest, okay? And it's up to you to tell me whether you think they're cute, whether you would mute them, as in you don't want to hear from them again, or recruit them for your very own international rescue. Okay. These characters are all from the Jerry Anderson universe. Firstly, I mean, this is a fluke. (gasps) There she is, Lady P herself. Don't tell me yet. Mute, cute, or recruit. Oh, no, we have brains as well. This might be quite a difficult choice. But then the villain to beat them all, Captain Black from Captain Scarlet. So who how do many, you mute? How many, how many, so, so, but what is, what is cute? Well, they're, 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 you might find them amusing or um, uh, nice to have around. This or, is so easy. Is it? So who would you mute? Captain Black, Brains or Lady P? I think it would have to be Captain Black. I think you're probably right there. I mean, Brains is family. Yeah. Okay, so is he cute or would you recruit him? Ooh. Okay. Mm. 
thinking instinctively, Good. I'm going to recruit Lady P, obviously. Great. But just to be fair to Brains, yeah. if you were going to start an operation, yeah. he's called Brains for a reason. True enough. He's a genius. True. He's a genius. True. But, you know, recruit and cute together... Yeah, they are. A, they are a very powerful double double act. Well, they are. So I'm going to take the ambiguity of the word cute and imply that he can exist behind the scenes. Do you know what? I'll let you get away with that. Thank you. Yeah, uh, but in the meantime, I'd like you to choose three more okay. random characters uh, for our next guest. We don't need to see who they are now, and I will put those uh, to. Uh, I think it's uh, it's well, Chris Dale interviewing John Lee next uh, week uh, to celebrate the Terrorhawks anniversary. So thank you for that. Uh, and in the meantime. All that remains for me is to say thank you so much for joining us, Genevieve Gaunt. What a pleasure it's been, and I hope you come back and see us again one day. Oh, thank you so much, Richard. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Genevieve Gaunt. <laughs> well, thank you so much for Genevieve Gaunt. You, Actually, you sounded so sad. Then. Well, oh no, 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 no well, I'm Genevieve. sad because that's that's it for Genevieve Gaunt, isn't it? I say that's it. It's not quite it because no. she'll make an appearance a little later on. Mm. But will she be pressing the button for the randomizer? Well, there's no point, is there? Why would she press it? We, well, we she's here. It we might as well make use of her. Was it just a dry run press for just a pointless a pointless press? I don't know. Saying? I don't know. We'll see what Chris asks her to do. Okay, mm. we shall see. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime. You're probably watching us, if you are watching us, or on listening. YouTube. Or listening no. to us on the... No. Go on. Specifically, if you're watching us, you'll be watching us on YouTube. Right, okay. Okay? Yeah. You didn't let me finish. Well, but, they, but some people listen on YouTube as well. But and not anymore, they they the, Yeah, they do. They ignore the visuals. Why would you ignore the visuals? I don't know. We put all this effort into it. Mm. Do you ignore the visuals, Podsterons? Have you literally just gone to YouTube, hit play... And then walked off and had your headphones on or just had it playing out loud. I bet people do. Email us at podcast at jerryanderson.com mm. and say, I, I don't watch you on YouTube. <laughs> We'd love to know. But the point I was trying to make was that yes, people yes. have been commenting beneath some of our recent YouTube oh, videos. All that to get into this. And I thought, well, it would be quicker if you hadn't God, tied us up in knots. Limpest segue ever. Do you remember back in Pod 272, we welcomed the rather marvellous Aisha Brough into the studio for an interview? She was marvellous. Very good value. And also, she she had a lovely lunch, didn't she? She enjoyed her lunch. Well, we all did that day. We had oh, sushi, didn't we? A very good lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Sherlock says, Volumes 1 and 2 of my viewer guide to UFO are on Amazon, and I'm currently writing about Time Lash for Volume three mm. interesting it's great to hear from those who worked on this series i regard ufo as the anderson's greatest masterpiece which is why i think it deserves in-depth investigation and many would agree yeah a masterpiece do you think so well i mean it, there's some bits of it which have aged less well than others sure, sure, but sure. overall yeah mm. it's great great drama i think ufo in particular there was nothing like it had been seen before had there Probably not. You're right. I think yeah. that's the, the draw. Took Imagine the watching that. World by storm. Absolutely. Imagine watching it. You know, in the seventies. Mm. It was seventies, wasn't it? Nineteen seventy. Yeah. yeah, just exactly. <gasps> Way ahead of its time. Yeah. Mark Sadler's written beneath the same. Oh, has he? Video. Oh yeah. Uh, Mark says it's great that Aisha mentioned the fashion boutique Bieber. Is yeah. it Bieber? Yeah, it is Bieber. Yeah. Uh, my dad worked for Barbara Hulaniki. Yes. The founder in the nineteen seventies. 
The original shop was uh, in Kensington Church Street uh-huh. in Kensington in London. Uh-huh. Then moved the, to the giant Art Deco Derry and Tom's building right. in Kensington High Street mm. with the famous roof gardens. Oh, sounds nice. Um, my dad uh, plus family were invited to a party at the roof gardens, where the who's who of entertainment had turned up. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I met Tony Curtis. He was doing the Persuaders at the time with Roger Moore, mm-hmm. and also met some of the cast of Dad's Army. Uh, and Aisha must have been there too. Oh yes, how lovely! We can't ask her now because she's gone. Too late. Mm. I bet she was there. Probably. Yeah. Great. Uh, Paul Backer says, "Just like to tell you how much I love these Jerry Anderson podcasts. They are an Alibaba's cave." Full of gold, diamonds, emeralds and rubies. Wow. Yeah. Love the interview with Aisha from UFO. I remember her TV show Lift Off with Aisha. Lovely actress. She did pretty well for herself. And she's still doing pretty well for herself. Absolutely now. right. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. Uh, one more here. Yep. Oh, I see. This You've worked what? this out, so I have to compliment you. What? <clears throat> Go on, what's it say? Read it out, you know, precisely. Richard conducted a fabulous interview. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? Looking forward to the next instalment. Yeah. What adds to Aisha's mystique is that she just vanished into thin air for a few decades, leaving fans with curious nostalgia. Yes. Uh, now sated by your amazing interview. Oh, no. I'm really, no, I no, added no. that last bit, but... Oh. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yes, that's true. She did disappear for a while, but uh, now she's back, which is lovely, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, in style. Uh, we also had uh, a, a fab fact recently about Einstein, the, the puppet, being mauled by a, or kidnapped by a, a dog. Which I was really thrilled by. I really loved that fab yeah, fact. I know. And I fear that that yeah. love has not been shared by... Well, you just loved it because it featured Einstein. a dog. And we know that your predilection for our canine friends. Dog and terror horse. <laughs> What's not to love? Yeah. Agent of Ladon uh, posted, could have ended in tears. I'm glad Tiger made it through without having to call in his brothers. Any correlation between breeds of dogs and toy treatment, or is it all personality? Smaller dogs seem to tear things up more, but there are exceptions. Uh, well, I, I mean, mean, currently, yeah. mm. I've got a wolfhound puppy, yes. Rodri. Rodri, okay. Who you've yeah. seen, I'm yes. sure. Yes, uh, Who's quite large. Mm. And um, he's tearing stuff up just like oh. the miniature Daxons do. So, oh, really? Yeah. Gosh. But only Collie crosses steal Terrorhawks puppets. So it seems. Apparently. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Black Arrow Toon says, mm. After the dog soaked Tiger Ninesign in the water... Tiger had only seven lives left instead of nine, having used one already in the series. So oh. does that throw out all of Terrorhawk's continuity, including the audio series, for the rest of time? Let's hope so. No, let's not. Anyway, right. it's a good story. Thanks. And uh, Hen Film Studio commented, Imagine someone has a look at the original puppet and is wondering, why does it smell like wet dog? Would it smell like wet dog or would it smell like <laughs> wet tiger? Well, it depends what the dog did with it. Went in the river with it, didn't it? Yes, I see. But you wouldn't necessarily smell of the thing that took you into anyway let's I move on I think we're probably overthinking it yeah okay fine yes anyway do comment beneath our YouTube uh, videos there's all sorts I've noticed in the past few weeks there's mm-hmm. a whole new thing about Jerry Anderson's career life and uh, adventures in uh, TV making allegedly so that looks interesting you is know, it do you know who's been doing that oh is it Chris Dale again no it's not Chris Dale is it Ross it's Ross I love Ross he's Your my favourite yeah I love gosh Ross. well if it's, if it's Ross I'll watch it, it for sure well okay you'll be watching it then yeah uh, all for now but do comment on our YouTube channel and uh, we'll read out some comments in a couple of weeks time but mm. now it's time to go to my second favourite member of the Jerry Anderson team well, he said that Commander was the second best villain in Space Precinct. I see. So right. I'm just, you know... Okay, that's after yourself, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Chris Dale, randomizer. It's not the randomizer, is it? It's the predictomizer. Well, 
Let's see what happens, shall we? Okay, over to whatever this is. Good luck. Good luck, Chris. Right, uh, Mr. Chrisdale, I'm here and ready to press the button. Uh, hold on, sorry, sorry. What's this? Oh, no, you see, um, because last week when you were on, you pressed the button and you got Wham! Part 1. Yes. Which means that this week I have to watch Part 2. So there's really no need for you to be here to, to press the button today. Oh, right. I'll go to... No, 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 no. It's, it seems a shame that you've come all this way mm. and we don't have anything for you to do. Listen, there is a button on here that'll bring up a recap of last week's episode mm -hmm. just to help our viewers catch up with the story. Unfortunately, I'm not sure which button that is. We've got several buttons on here, so if you want to just you know, press one and see what happens, it might be the recap button, it might be something completely different. The trials and tribulations of the randomizer. Indeed, good luck. Right, that has lowered the cover. We don't want that, do we? No. Because we're now in black and white. Oh dear. So if you could undo that. Excellent, we're now back in colour. So obviously not that button. Maybe, I don't know, that one? Oh. Get out with it, you fools! <laughs> ah. Now, that was the Brian Blessed button. Oh dear, what a very angry man. Yes, we should probably put a label on that. Well, there's really only one more button you could try, so, you know, let's, let's have it pressed and we'll see what happens. Ah. Good luck. Last time on The Randomizer. She's in some kind of trouble. She said, I'll soon have all the money I'll ever need. The girl just bought a ticket. Vienna, single. She also made inquiries about return trains from Salzburg. How would you like a little change of scene? Like, uh, Salzburg? Why not? Everything's fine. Thanks for the goodies. Wham is on. What is Wham? Oh, please. You've got to do something. Get us down from here. She just took the tourist bus to the cable car. Do not attempt to send up the other cable car, or people will be hurt. We mean what we say. And now the conclusion. Oh, well, uh, this is an interesting result. Um, previously, I was in our podcast studio, and now I seem to be uh, back at home. That's, uh, well, you know, Genevieve was experimenting with the, the button presses there, but here we go. We're going to continue with Wham! Part 2 as we pick up the story. Michael Sheard has arrived. He's going to sort everything out for us. Uh, Michael Sheard who um, Doctor Who fans will know from, uh, I think he may have done stories, at least one story, with almost every actor who played the Doctor in the original series. Um, also, 1999 fans will remember him for, uh, he was in Dragon's Domain. He was one of the uh, unfortunate scientists who got gobbled up by the octopus. Uh, and had also, before that, had... Um, had filmed scenes for Breakaway. He was in the original cut of Breakaway, um, playing Mr. Gundelach, who was the head of the nuclear waste disposal area. He was originally in the scene at the beginning with Helena and Victor, but um, yeah, those scenes were, were dropped. Uh, no, the scenes were, were rewritten and refilmed without him, unfortunately, but there we go, he got to get eaten by the dragon anyway. Speaking of, we are picking up the second half of Wham! Um, Prentice Hancock is now wisely ditching his uh, hippie disguise that got him to the top of the mountain. Um, but he's he's a villain who, who likes to show off how clever he is, unfortunately, this guy. Um, he has, well, got to brush his hair first, get rid of that silly wig. We've got to dispose of all sorts of um, incriminating evidence. Um, 
But for now, we've got to pose as another ordinary holiday maker. Um, just like any other of the, uh, the several dozen people now trapped at the top of the mountain. Thanks to naughty old Prentice Hancock and his girlfriend Jill Townsend. And the funky music is still going, but I suspect it um, it becomes less funky throughout the episode, uh, as I recall. Um, indeed, you may have picked up on the uh, the fact that uh, we're ex we've experienced technical difficulties, um, so I'm having to re-record Wham Part Two, which unfortunately, oh yes, I'm gonna check the bag. Yes, unfortunately, because I watched Part One and part two back to back during that recording. I can't remember what I said in part two, and I can't remember what I said in part one that I might not be duplicating now. I do remember saying during part one that um, just the way my life has gone, I seem to have seen part two more often than part one. So I suspect the, um, the protector's gods in the sky were, they heard that and decided to uh, give me another shot at watching Wham part two. But if you have to watch a Protectors episode, more than once in the same week, yes. Wham! is a good one to watch because it just looks lovely. I mean, look at that scenery. This is gorgeous scenery. I'd love to know more about the filming of this episode. Um, how much time the crew spent up the mountain. Oh no. Ransom time. Um, anyway, we are now back with Wham Part 2, um, and now what I find quite fun about this um, is that there's no recap on the front of this episode. The recap that you saw at the beginning there was one I created. So, you know, you need to to bring your viewers up to speed on what happened last week. Um, it's interesting how they do it, but right now we have this scene at the top of the mountain. And again, I have to assume this is, you know, the real mountaintop lodge. But again, this um, this very minor character is getting the point across to the extras that the lift is out of action. We don't have any of our regular characters uh, in this scene. No. More beer for everyone. That will calm them down. Ah, yes, and who's this arrived to take charge of the situation? Well, we've already got Michael Sheard. How about we bring in another Doctor Who alumni? It's Olaf Pooley. There he is. From my uh, my all-time favourite Doctor Who story, Inferno, in which he played Professor Starman. Um, and, and Olaf Pooley lived till, I think, 103. He only passed away a few years ago. Um... But of course, he's instantly suspicious of Harry Rule. I also, in the uh, intervening week, um, well, between the original recording of Wham Part 2, which is now lost media, and uh, this recording, that little guy that I mentioned, um, this um, sort of desk clerk guy, who I said I had a feeling he'd been in Doctor Who. I checked, and he was. But he's in... Looking for a girl. He had a, a role in one episode of Dalek's Master Plan, which I think is one of the surviving ones, and one episode of Colony in Space, which puts me to sleep. So I don't know why I recognised him from Doctor Who. Um, his name's John Harrington. Um, if you type his name into Google, you should be aware he is not John Harrington the astronaut. 
Um, you know, and I know he looks a picture of physical health for going up into space, but no, he didn't go into space, unfortunately. Someone who later went into space, Jill Townsend here, future Space 1999 guest star, has checked back into her hotel, and she doesn't have much to do in the second half of the story, beyond kind of waiting around for Apprentice Hancock to, well, to get the money, really. But she's got a radio ready for uh, for the big call. Do not attempt to send up the other cable car, or people will be hurt. We mean, we mean what, we say. what we say. Well... It's all very serious. All right. But yeah, this is what I mean about the recap. We don't have a proper recap at the front of the episode like any other part two of a series uh, of a story would do. So we actually have our characters draw a presentation on a chalkboard explaining what's happened. And it's... I mean, it's making me smile just looking at it now, but it's also very, very effective. And I get the feeling, you know... Perhaps this is how hostage situations would be constructed. We have also established that both the telephone in the cable car and the radio phone in the restaurant have been cut, leaving hmm. no way of communication with the top. Except right. And Olaf Bully was, uh, in addition to being an actor, he was also a writer. Uh, I discovered recently he did uncredited rewrites on um, the greatest 1980s uh, British sci-fi horror film ever made, um, the, the the madness that is Life Force, which I, I still can't quite get my head to head to match this guy with that film. But anywho, the only realistic way to go up and down the mountain is by cable car. I don't follow. And our friend at the top, with the mountain surrounded, he's got to come down that way. Hmm. There's only so much food up there. I also mentioned during the original recording of, of this, and uh, I had a theory that I waffled over it, but I somehow I don't think I have. Why no helicopters? Why can't we reach the top of the mountain via, via helicopter? Well, never explained, but Paul's here now. Again, doesn't have as much to do this week as last time. Are you serious? It's a very cool premise for a story, though. And I like as well the fact that the people who've been taken hostage don't actually realise that they've been taken hostage. As far as they're concerned, it is just a technical malfunction. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful setup, a wonderful situation where you can have Prentice Hancock up there making threats that the people on the ground have to take seriously. We can see nothing of significance through the telescope. Both the telephone lines are broken. You have spoken to this man. And of course, uh, Olaf Pooley gets a, a nice visit to uh, Salzburg. I am going to call it. Ooh. Yes, he's sending up the other cable car, which Prentice Hancock told them not to do. Oh, look at that. I mean, it's almost worth being a terrorist and taking people hostage if you can, if you can spend that time in, in nice surroundings. Um, I don't know if this resort is still open. I would, I would love to believe that it is. But we're now coming up on a moment that makes me, I don't know, wince, shudder, every time I see it. Um, Prentice Hancock at the top of the mountain wants the people on the ground to believe that he has hostages. Of course, the people he has up there with him are completely yeah. oblivious that he's doing any of this. Um... Bring her over here. Oh, okay. Um, I got slightly ahead of myself there. Um, 
This is where the tape recording that Monica made last week comes into play. Although unlike the recording of Prentice Hancock that Harry was listening to earlier in this episode, I think this is a slightly different take. We're in a studio all of a sudden. And those uh, insert shots there of um, Robert Vaughan and Olaf Pooley in the studio, I think there might be one or two of Prentice Hancock. Um, it just shows the, the extent to which the live-action filming was a huge asset to this show, because just try to imagine realising this in a studio. I don't think you realistically could, but it doesn't mean that a show made five years earlier wouldn't have tried. There's the insert shot of Apprentice. Where something like The Baron might have tried to, to pull this off, and it would have just looked... Well, this looks what it is. It looks real. But here's the wincing moment that I mentioned. Just keep watching. So Prentice Hancock wants people to believe on the ground that he's got hostages and that he's about to potentially force a couple of them to jump. This coincides with a family near him posing for a photo on the very edge of a several thousand foot drop. Do you want me to make them jump? And, um, yes, we've got a mother and a little girl. Who are against the, the barrier. And the dad makes the mother pick the girl up and sit her on the edge of the, the railing. And there is nothing behind them. You can see in the, the reverse angle shot, there is just a sheer drop. And I feel so tense every time the scene comes up. I mean, it's effective, you know, in one sense, because the characters are convinced by this. Um, it's a, it's a great coincidence for Prentice Hancock that yes. the, the stupidest family in the world happened to be vacationing along with him. But, oh my goodness, that shot of that little girl on the edge of the railing. Um, you know, it's like, we, we need to do close-up shots of Robert Vaughan and Prentice Hancock and Olaf Pooley. We'll do those in the studio. Dangle a little girl over a precipice into infinity. No, we don't do that in the studio. Let's do that for real. Oh, I... Every time, that just makes me feel so, so tense. Because that so easily could have gone wrong. Attention, attention. Ah, more attention. Meanwhile, as I... Listen very carefully. As you see this, on the ones. See, now that I'm doing this on video, I can't, I can't stop the recording and put that clip in there. So I have to do it myself. Uh, was that even French accent? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anywho. We are now, we've got the money for the it ransom. to me that the hijacker must have an accomplice. Hmm. Logic. Someone yeah. here below. Someone like Les you, Army's Robert Warren. Just how involved are you in this, Mr. Rule? Involved enough to give you a little advice. Forget about your antagonisms toward me and play it straight. Ooh. No tricks. No homing okay. device in the case. I, I recognize some of the you extras playing guards here as well. Um... This would be uh, a scene filmed in the studio, I, I'm presuming. Uh, I'm wondering, actually, if Michael Sheard actually got to go to Salzburg. It's obvious Olaf Pooley did, and, and the other regulars. And little um, man who is not an astronaut. Uh, but, yeah. Poor Olaf Pooley, it's not his day. So let's run the money off to... Uh, Yes. Is that 
I was wondering if that's Harry Fielder in the uh, the right-hand seat there, and then in subsequent shots on location, yeah, it, it looks like a different actor. I mean, it might just have been the angle. It, it looks like Harry Fielder. But anywho, the policemen are throwing the suitcase containing the ransom out of a car over a bridge. And as the police car speeds away, who is there to pick up the case? It's Monica. Ah. And at this point, you know, she's going to radio in and say that everything's fine. She's got the money. Yep, there's the signal. But at this point, I have to question um, the wisdom of this part of Prentice Hancock's plan, because, you know, it's a lot of money he's managed to extort here. But uh, he's, made a, he's, he's engineered a situation where his partner in crime now has all the money, and he is stuck at the top of the mountain. For, you know, presumably, you know, he's not going to be coming down immediately, and when he gets to the bottom, there's going to be questions. I just find that, you know, there's a huge potential for a double cross there of just the partner to say, actually, you know what, I've got at minimum 12 hours start on you, I'm off. But no, he's very trusting. I, I suppose we're meant to believe that they, they love each other, but I don't think that was ever really clearly defined. Meanwhile, as the hostages come down from the, the mountain resort on the cable car, some of them are finding things in their pockets that they didn't have before, like cameras and binoculars and things. Planted there by Prentice Hancock. Don't leave. In order to... Well, as I said, he's a villain who likes to pretend that he's, uh, he's one step ahead of everybody else, and part of his amazing plan is... Not only has he planted evidence on several people around him, he's also left evidence deliberately on his own person. I think he's still carrying his wig. As if, you know, because why would he want to make a getaway in this situation when he can stick around for several more hours to be interrogated? Yeah, this is the part of the story that I, um... I do find... As much as I do enjoy this story, and, you know, the location work is a huge asset for this one, but it does get a bit slow in this um, second half. This interrogation sequence goes on for, for quite a while. And really, it's it's all down to the fact that Prentice Hancock just wants to prove that he's, he's smarter than everyone else. Which, you know, mate, you've got... How much is in this suitcase? A lot. Let's say a lot. Um... You know, all that money is there. Go, go for the money. Don't do anything to draw attention to yourself this way. But no. Not only is he uh, going to reveal that he's got a wig. Guess that guy has a camera. I guess that guy has the, the beard. Prentice Hancock. Now sporting a Scottish accent. His, uh, yes, he found a wig in his pocket, his hippie wig. I also like the... There's an interpreter lady next to him. And forgive me if this is a member of the, the crew or, or you know, someone that one of you out there will recognise, but there's something about her that just screams cartoon character. She just... Um, yeah, she, she almost doesn't look real. I know that's a horrible thing to say. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are free to go, but do not leave the area. With the following exceptions. Ooh. John Dawson, John Carl Dawson. Weiss, 
Oh, nice. William Arthur Mackay. William Arthur Mackay. Oh. George Harvey. Yes. Nice now, what, that was the uh, the mystery Fort of Schmitt. part one. What did the letters W-A-M stand for? Again, it's more evidence that Prentice Hancock is um, is far too clever for his own good because he's named his criminal heist enterprise Gentlemen, after himself. We think we have completed the picture. <laughs> Forty-two people went up in the cable car this morning. Mm-hmm. If we include the manager and his staff with the mountaintop, this makes a total of 48. And 48 have come down. Hmm. Wearing silly hats. We have made a thorough search of the top. There is no one there. So our task has therefore been a process of elimination. Hmm. And we have come to the conclusion the hijacker is in this room. And I Or it could be one of the him. pigeons. We're not sure. Lots of pigeons up there. I did like that. So now Monica is, I think, she's now arrived at their rendezvous place, which is a, we'll, we'll later discover is a, a nice house. Uh, and she's burning um, what looks like, what I'm assuming is um, like travel leaflets or something. I'm not sure what the point of that scene was, other than to establish that some time has passed and it is now night time. Prentice Hancock, unlike the other suspects, is not completing his statement. He's doodling. And I've heard some people um, talk about this episode and sort of mock this accent that Prentice Hancock is doing here. Um, the thing is, he is actually Scottish, or he was born in Glasgow as... Um, Mackay will later claim in his Scottish persona. So, you know, this is genuine, but I suspect there's a... It's slightly exaggerated. The one you used to disguise yourself as a hippie. Hippie. It wasn't me. Come on. We found the wig in your pocket. Ah, and another fellow said you found a beard in his. Of course. And if you were the hijacker, you would hardly plant a wig on yourself. Right. Unless you are clever enough, arrogant enough, Stupid enough to believe it would throw us off the scent. Mm. Well, he is. Yes, and of course you have to assume at this point, although it's not been mentioned on screen yet, that Harry has put together W.A.M. William Arthur Mackay. Uh, what have we got? His wallet. When did you leave England? Brett, when? The date's on the ticket. And here's uh, a point where we come back to something that was mentioned in part one. And I hope I mentioned it in part one. Um, Monica took the train from uh, somewhere to somewhere else. And Paul rode along with her. And she sent Prentice a note saying that the train was was an hour late. And this scene is where we find out what the point of all that hour late was. Have you got that? Yes, it was so that um, he he would he, she was able to corroborate everything he said about that journey that I don't think his character made. Uh, I've not explained that very well, but hey ho. Not bad. It's the second time I've watched Wham well, Part Two in a week. I, I don't know what you want from me. Well, let's try it the other way. <sighs> Private joke. Mm. I came down in the cable car. Before that, I was at the top looking around. Before that, I went up in the cable car. 
That's after having hitchhiked from Vienna down to Salzburg. Hitchhike? Ooh. That's right. That's when you stick your thumb up in the air and weave. Yes. Before that, I got off a trip. This is so much more you know, efficient and important to his plan than making a clean getaway and, and getting to all that money. Meanwhile, if I was Monica, I'd probably be like, you know, I'm, I'm heading for Rio or somewhere with all this money. Here it comes, though. Here's the clue from the train. Harry's trying to catch him out, but... It was an hour Alibi is absolutely foolproof. What's this now? It's for you, Mr. Roo. Mm. Probably about another delayed train. Roo. Hello. I learned to drink in Glasgow. Mm, there we go. Hard school. But then I always like to keep a clear head. God, if I had a parallel universe seven-part story and some werewolves, I could have you... Oh, I could have all this sorted by now. But uh, it's now seven hours later. Mackay has apparently been released. God knows what time it is by this point. But he's arrived at the rendezvous house where Monica is waiting for him. He's very happy. And she's um, on, his, on her way out to meet him. And here... In the, it's a very nice house, but I, I think we're supposed to assume it's been abandoned. And there's a lady up there. Oh, that's not Monica. Um, we've not seen much of her. This is the Contessa. I haven't seen much of her this week. I also like that the music here, and it's rare for the protectors, it's rare for any of the live-action shows to do this, but the music takes on a... Um, the way the puppet shows used to do. And that's an unusual shot as well. Let's uh, see. A -M. Hands up who hadn't Wham. figured that one out yet. Wham is off, yes, it's so strange to oh. see Prentice Hancock and Tony Anholt on screen together. We saw her pick up the money. Oh, Your bad luck. But I also wonder if, um, if this role was in any way uh, a, a contribution to him getting Paul right. Morrow in Space 1999. Um, well, we have now reached part the end of, of part two of Wham once again and uh, I have to reiterate what I said previously I love this two-parter I think this is a really strong strong two-parter really good story this episode in particular the the second half with the whole interrogation which really does not need to happen kind of drags it down a bit but overall you know you've got to see them together and uh, together it's a it's a wonderful viewing experience I would have loved more you know two-part protector stories it's good stuff there. Well, who would have guessed yes. that the randomizer himself yeah. was so technically ignorant of the randomizer machine? I would have guessed. Probably, yeah. I would have guessed I mean, that. Ross would have got it. Uh, next man. time, yeah. yeah if, they want to, if they want to find the recap button, ask Ross <laughs> and just keep Chris out of it. Did you notice the little cameo appearance at the beginning of that uh, randomizer se se sequence? Yes. Yeah. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> I didn't realise you could do Blessed as well as of course I can. I Wogan just and uh, uh, all the others. Well, I did my Boris Johnson earlier and that passed without comment. Oh, sorry, I didn't even no, notice. No, it's all right. It's all right. Gosh. Uh -oh. Anyway, I think that's all for now, isn't it? We'll see you next week. Is that it? We're not doing any ask for subscribes I've or done all that. Or... Did that earlier. Weren't you listening? Don't, you, honestly, you missed my Boris Johnson impression. You missed me. I did the whole charity thing. Oh, that, of course. Yeah, sorry. It's because you did it in a weird voice. Okay, fine. Yeah. All right, fine. Well, you know, do the stuff he said earlier. Email us or whatever. Who cares? Bye. See you next week. Bye. Fa, 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 fa.
Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. Okay, no, I, I got it there. I got it's, it. I got it when you did it there. Uh, it's a micro impression. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at obviously the Wogan, the old Wogan. No, but you do Johnson. more than a micro on yeah, the Wogan. I've got a very specific one that I might have done. I don't know if I've done this before. Should I share it with Get you? Get it out. It's my Ken Livingston. Okay. Ken Livingston, do you want to hear my? Again, this will no, mean nothing to our international viewers. Brilliant. I'm there on Ken Livingston. Yes, um, ex Labour pe- uh, Party member, ex GLC um, chairman, whatever he was. Ex mayor of London. Ex mayor of London. Yeah. You ready for this? <clears throat> I. That was it. it. That's it. Wow. There you go. That was, it wasn't even a micro impression. That was a Pico impression. Uh, have you heard my Jonathan Ross? Oh, is that going to be offensive? We're going to get cancelled again? Fabbery wobbery wobbery, fabbery wobbery, fabbery wobbery. Wow. No? There's another guest that we're not going to get. Oh, yes. He, Brilliant. He was on the list, wasn't he? Yeah. That's right. I can cut it out. I, I think it's probably best you do. We'll yeah. never hear that again. No. You're right. <clears throat> I'll rein the impressions in next week, I Please think. Please do. All right. Please. Okay. Think about what you've done. Huh? That was an Anderson Entertainment production. <laughs>